Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as personalized recommendations or fiduciary advice. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for any investment, accounting, legal, or tax advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. As a reminder, all investments include the risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Today is January 30th, 2023. Happy birthday, dad. Um, (laughs) Just shout out to my pops out in Oregon. I just want to wish him happy birthday. And uh, and also uh, heading into earnings uh, for Q1, reflecting on Q4. I'll talk a little bit about that. I'll talk about the markets, inflation, and how things are shaping up as far as recession, soft landing, all of that fun jazz that so many people are interested in and Northbound Wealth Management's take on it, uh, as well as some other articles and uh, items of note uh, in this week's podcast. Hope you enjoy it. It is the 29th week of the Northbound Wealth Management Weekly Market Insights. And here we go. The headline is earnings and data tell two different stories on the near future. Stocks added to their early 2023 gains amid a busy stream of mixed corporate earnings results and conflicting economic data. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 1.81%, while the S&P 500 added 2.47%. The NASDAQ Composite Index rose 4.32% for the week, and the MSCI EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, increased by 1.14%. So what does that mean for the Dow? The Dow closed at 33,978 and change. Year to date, that's up 2.51%. The NASDAQ closed at 11,621. That's year to date up 11.04%. Did you hear that? So the tech heavy NASDAQ is up 11% for the year. That's awesome. Uh, MSCI EFA index uh, to, uh, closed at 2,104. Uh, that's up 8.0%. So international markets are looking pretty good too. S&P 500 closed at over 4,000 at 4,070. That's up 6.02% for the year. Now, I will uh, make a quick side note. And today is Monday. From last week to this week, today uh, was a heavy down morning. And then it's kind of just looking a little bit negative. And most likely it's because of the Fed meeting, Jay Powell's meeting on Wednesday. And uh no one really knows for sure what Jay Powell's going to do. And uh, it's one of those things, don't fight the Fed. So people there, we've had a rally up into uh, the FOMC meeting, uh, which will happen later on this week. I'll review that uh, in the following week, next Monday, uh, as we look back over how the week performs. But the 10-year treasury note closed at 3.52%. That's up 0.04% for the week and year to date down 0.36%. Um, stocks advance. So with the backdrop of earnings reports and conflicting economic data, stocks climbed higher on cooling inflation, continued economic resilience, and fourth quarter corporate earnings results that, while underwhelming, did not appear as bad as many feared. There was enough new economic data to support both a recession 
and a soft landing, both camps. So um, it was corporate results and continued labor market strength, along with a solid, if weakening, fourth quarter gross domestic product or GP, GDP uh, growth number. However, that did raise investors' hopes that a potential recession may be mild and likely pushed out into the latter part of this year. Um, GDP report. The U.S. economy expanded at a 2.9% annualized rate in the fourth quarter, slightly exceeding consensus estimates of 2.8%, but down from the third quarter's 3.2% growth rate. Consumer spending, which accounts for over two-thirds of GDP, rose to 2.1%. Uh, increases in private inventory investment, government spending, and non-residential fixed investment also contributed to the fourth quarter's growth. Weakness in housing and a drop in exports subtracted from the quarter's results. Beneath the headline number, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, rose 3.2%. That was lower than the third quarter's 4.8% increase, which it remains above the Fed's 2% inflation target. This week, key economic data, the FOMC, or the Federal Open Market Committee's announcement. That's Wednesday. We'll all be paying attention to that, by the way. Job openings and turnover surveys, or JOLTS, Institute for Supply Chain Management, which is the ISM, uh, index, uh, ADPs, or Automated Data Processing Employment Report, Thursday, Factory Orders and Jobless Claims, Friday, uh, Employment Situation, Institute for Supply uh, Management, or the ISM Surveys Index. This week, notable companies reporting earnings. Monday, Principal Financial Group. Tuesday, Advanced Micro Devices, Pfizer, Caterpillar, General Motors, McDonald's, uh, Amgen, UPS and Stryker. Wednesday, Thermo Fisher, Humana, T-Mobile. Thursday, Apple, Amazon, Ford, Alphabet. That's a big day is Thursday. Did you hear that? Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet all in the same day. And Ford, Qualcomm, Bristol-Myers, Merck, Eli Lilly, and Honeywell. Friday, Cigna, Regeneron. So Eli Lilly will be interesting. They've had a They've been on an absolute terror. Their stock is just taken off. So those of you Indianans who own Eli Lilly, well done. Uh, it's a great stock, great company, and I hope they keep up the good work. Uh, all right, finding the Goldilocks tax withholding. So this is the beginning of 2023. People do look at their withholdings and make adjustments. So just like how Goldilocks had to try the porridge that was too hot and then uh, the one that was too cold before she found the one that was just right. You need to find the the amount of tax withholdings that's not too much or too little for your circumstances. No one wants a bad surprise when tax day comes and having the proper withholding can help you avoid these surprises. You should especially check your withholding after a significant life change, such as a marriage, divorce, a new child, a move, or major changes in the tax law. How much should you withhold? The tax withholding estimator on the IRS website can help people determine if they have too much income tax withheld and how to adjust. And this tip was adapted from irs.gov. So um, if you wanna cut your soda habit this year, you can always use uh, healthy alternatives such as sparkling water, coffee, tea, or fruit. Um, so if you can't stop drinking soda, try to make your own. 
You can make healthier versions of store-bought soda using a carbonation machine and different flavors of syrup. Generally, these homemade sodas have less sugar and other additives than, uh, than the traditional Coke or Pepsi products that you uh, have access to at the store. So there's a healthy tip for the week. I posted on my website an article in regards to investment challenges of the affluent investor. High net worth investors face investment challenges that some would consider unique to their financial status. The fundamental tenets of investing apply equally to them as with any other investor, but the affluent investor needs to be mindful of issues that typically arise only from substantial wealth. Let's examine a few of these. Number one, being too conservative. When an individual has more assets than they think they'll ever spend, there can be a tendency towards conservative investment. This may result in lower long-term returns that may shortchange the impact of bequests to charities or the wealth that will transfer to the next generation. Number two, collectibles. The affluent have a tendency to invest in their passions and many collectibles have performed well over the years. However, one common mistake is not keeping up to date uh, appraisals on record, which may have adverse consequences with regard to estate liquidity and taxes. Number three, concentrated equity. Some senior executives accumulate large stock positions in the company that employs them. This creates a unique risk and potentially can be managed in several ways. Number four, a DIY mentality. So some wealthy investors have achieved a high level of success in their careers in large measure due to their intelligence, hard work, and self-confidence. This very success often carries over to the belief that building or managing successful enterprises is not dissimilar to managing great wealth but it can be quite different, requiring a whole different body of knowledge and experience. Number five, too many professionals. Affluent investors often place their investment assets with multiple professionals thinking that better results will arise from that. However, many of the key needs for larger portfolios, such as risk management and tax efficiency, will suffer since there's no overarching view into the larger picture of an individual's entire portfolio. The independent actions by separate professionals, all with the best intentions, may actually work to suboptimal outcomes. With increasing wealth comes even more unique challenges beyond those covered by this discussion. Consequently, affluent investors are encouraged to seek professional guidance that may be best suited for their particular needs and circumstances. I hope you enjoyed this article. And if you have any questions about this topic, please reach out to Northbound Wealth Management and we'd be happy to answer the questions that you have. This is Brent Foster, founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth Management. I just want to take a moment to go over our process for uh, those of you maybe considering uh, engaging with Northbound Wealth Management. Uh, this will help answer what is that process uh, that we need to go through in order to have you guys be our financial advisor. And so uh, it's broken down into four simple steps. Step one is the initial meeting, understanding your needs. So typically what your advisor does is he begins by getting to know you and your family while gathering information about your current circumstances, your future goals, your concerns, and your aspirations during this phase. Two, you and your advisor can discuss the strategies and services available to help solve the specific financial challenges you guys face. In step two, there's the recommendation. 
and designing the plan. So uh, depending on your circumstances, your plan may focus on a single objective or a more uh, complex strategy. Your plan could be as singular as saving for retirement or a child's education, monetizing a concentrated equity position, or establishing a trust to benefit the ch a child with special needs. But perhaps it may require a uh, complex strategy that includes help with positioning and selling your business, then deploying your proceeds together with other investable assets to deliver the income you need to retire comfortably. Or you may be in need of multiple solutions, not only selling your business and developing an effective plan for retirement, but establishing a charitable trust to fund your philanthropic desires. Or you just may need help with an asset allocation model and and your 401k and your retirement plan and just, you know, what are some of the things that I need to be doing to position my portfolio uh, well from a risk perspective and a return perspective. And then step three is executing the recommendation, implementing the plan. So in this phase, the planning is put into motion while collaborating with other relevant professionals as needed, whether those are northbound wealth specialists or you know, with your current attorney or your current CPA. And if you don't have any of those uh, uh, key players on the team uh, in place, we can definitely work with outside folks to, to come alongside you. The plan is based on your goals, uncovered in previous steps of the advisory process and factors in your investment horizon, as well as the types and levels of risk that you can afford and with which you're comfortable. And step four is a monitoring and reviewing process and managing the plan once it's in place. So financial planning is an ongoing process in which it's essential to monitor the progress of your investments within the context of your goals and periodically review all relevant information. It may be necessary to adjust the components of your plan in light of changing circumstances and evolving objectives. Should economic and financial circumstance warrant, your advisor may also recommend tactical changes to your portfolio while still adhering to your long-term goals and risk tolerance. So that's the four-step process. <clears throat> Again, it's really simple. Initial meeting, recommendation, execute the recommendation, monitor and review, and rinse and repeat and go through that process over the course of years and decades and so on and so forth. And so, um, it, that's basically how it's broken down in, in, as far as engaging with our firm. And we're excited and would love to have your business, would love to earn your trust, and uh, would love to work with you guys, uh, those of you who are uh, just starting out or those of you in the middle of the, of the, of the uh, accumulation stage. And then also those of you who are more of a distribution stage or retirement stage, we'd be happy to help you as well. Thank you for listening to the Northbound Wealth Management Weekly Market Insights with your host, Brent Foster, founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth Management. Until next week, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.